The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and we have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. It is happy December time here at Break the Business, and we are currently in the city of Miami where we record this show, currently in the middle of a really interesting meteorological phenomenon that happens in Miami that only lasts for about 72 hours. We call that phenomenon winter. The mercury has dipped to the frigid temperature of like 55 degrees, which in Miami like is is the worst. Like we don't even know how to handle ourselves. Like it's the one time of year where we turn on the heater and it makes our whole house smell like burnt toast and iguanas literally fall from the sky look it up that's something that happens in miami this time of year like iguanas just start it starts raining iguanas basically miami gets weird in the winter but we're gonna get through it together and we got some fantastic co-hosts to help us do it but he's in colorado where it's uh always cold there but they're they learn to live with it because they're tougher than we are zach sloan joining us hi zach i'm not dead that is true, and we are so very happy about that. We missed you during the last time you were scheduled to join us because, like, you had like some horrific flu. I had the flu. Um, so here's the deal: I teach at a middle school, and I also have a daughter in daycare. So last month I got the flu, and then sat this past Saturday I got the flu again. I was like, "Don't tell my boss," but my first thought was, "I can't miss BTB twice in a row. I just can't do it." Um, <laughs> I'll miss I'll miss work, Ryan, but I will not miss this podcast twice. You got two different flus. Because my understanding yes. with the flu is it's like, you know, the cold or something where like if you get you can't get the same flu twice, but you managed to encounter two different enough flus that you got back to back flus. And it sucked. It was absolutely awful. I do not encourage it. And thanks, CVS, for texting me today saying that there are a couple ver variants of flu in my area that I should get a flu shot. Yeah, dude, I'm aware. <laughs> Been there. That's some good hindsight from your local pharmacist. Well, I mean, how do you know it was two separate flus and not one mega flu? Like, was there like a break in the middle, like 12 hours where you're like, I think I got this beat. <clears throat> oh, no. It was so they were a month apart. They were exactly oh, four okay. weeks apart. That's why I was afraid I was going to miss BTB twice because I woke up on the day we record last month sick as a dog. And then this past Saturday, I started, I got sick, or past Friday, I got sick. I was sick all through the weekend. And I was like, I cannot be sick all the way. I can't misbreak the business twice in a row. I don't know what I would do with myself. Where else do I get to talk about how much I love Taylor Swift? Exactly. Oh my God. I got some Taylor Swift info for you. Stick around for that. Or we're going to, don't let me forget. All right. If I, if we don't get like dare. 40 minutes into this show and I haven't laid out some amazing Taylor Swift facts that I have for you, please remind me. Uh, if, if that's the main reason why you're here, I will feed you. It's going to be great. I miss your Bless face, you. Zach Sloan. Bless you. So like your happy you to have good. you with us. We got some great folks that we're talking to between Zach Sloan joining us. Our guest this week is going to be pretty awesome. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to be joined by entrepreneur and co-founder of the organization Daybreaker, Timothy Patch. Zach, how familiar are you with this organization Daybreaker? You mean, do I like to dance the day away? Yeah, they're pretty dope, man. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something. I am so self-conscious about my dancing. I don't know how I would do it with their events, but I hear that they have classes for that. That's right. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, and again, I think we're all going to learn about Daybreaker together because I think that's going to be like among our first few questions for Timothy Patch is what the heck is this? But we're kind of late to the party there because this is a worldwide phenomenon, over half a million members. They travel the world uh, hosting these morning dance parties that are substance free 
and it's all about fun and inclusiveness and wellness and just a, a bunch of really good things like the music they bring in is awesome. They're a great entrepreneurship success story, a great event management success story. So a real terrific story of indie artist empowerment. And so they got a rep from Daybreaker to stop by, tell us all about it, give some advice to our viewers and listeners, a good time had by all. Heck yeah. And I cannot wait to learn about what kind of sick dance moves I need to know. Oh, you think uh, maybe we'll have like a dance off in the second well, they, segment. Do, do they still allow the Charleston? Is that a thing? <laughs> I think they open with that. Sweet. Every Sweet. session. You know what? What do I need to give for you to ask Timothy Patch during the interview? Do they still allow the Charleston? Can we, can we get that from you? Dude, I have no shame. Yes, that's what I'm we like. I'm an independent musician. I have no shame. <laughs> Speaking of music, Zach Sloan, uh, want to run something by you. I want to see what you think of this. All right. As we record this, Zach, on December 6th, 2023, Wednesday, December 6th, as we record this, the do you know what is, without checking, don't, don't, don't cheat and use the Google machine, do you know what is currently the Billboard Hot 100 number one song in this country? Uh, the most recent Morgan Allen single. Pretty much a good uh, Morgan Wallen. Wade. Wallen, that guy. Morgan. <laughs> I don't know. I think I have an accountant named Morgan Allen. Morgan, well, I mean, that's a good guess. Uh, I think he was like, I think he is number one on the year-end chart. But uh, it's not Morgan Wallen, all right? I'm going to give you some clues as to who is currently sitting atop the Billboard Hot 100 right now. And I want to see if those clues bring you to the answer, okay? Here are your clues. The hot number one song is a popular Christmas classic, the current number one song in the country, from the 20th century, sung by one of the most iconic female vocalists. I got it. Nailed it. 100%. It is... A hailstorm fronted by the iconic singer Lizzie Hale's cover of ACDC's Mistress for Christmas. You're welcome. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> I got it. I mean, Zach, you're playing the game wrong. You're, I mean, first, that, that, that's a better answer than the one I wanted you to give. But oh, crap. the answer that we wanted you to give was all I want for Christmas is you. No, by it's Mariah it's, Carey. No, it is Hailstorm's cover of ACDC's <laughs> Mistress for Christmas. And I accept no other answers. Well, I, this is America, well, Ryan. The, the truth point is, is you're to supposed be. to say that, and then I'm supposed oh. to go, you're wrong, because oh. it's not All I Want for Christmas is You by it's Mariah Carey. It's Hailstorm's cover. We've Nor been is it the Hailstorm Mistress for Christmas, okay? It is perhaps a song that rocks even harder than mistress for christmas all right that is a that is so much more rocking okay it is in fact so much more rocking than that song the word rockin is literally in the title the current billboard hot 100 number one song in the country on today the year of our lord december 6 2023 is rockin around the christmas tree the 1958 christmas classic by one Brenda Lee. No. It is, <laughs> I don't know why you keep arguing with me, Ryan. I'm well, I'm the I made the truth. I actually just checked the chart that the Mistress of Christmas, that's number two. So she was oh, close. Maybe she'll get it close. next week. Dude, you know? how did Rockin' Around the Christmas tree get up there? That's insane. It is pretty insane. Um I got some I got some trivia around this. I want to give you before we talk about how this can possibly happen in 2023. I, I got some trivia for you to like further underscore how crazy this is. Okay. This is this is the first time this song has ever hit number one. Uh, and it is a 65-year span between when the song was released in 1958 and today in 2023 when the song hit number one. It, that is in fact the longest span between a song's release and hitting number one in the history of the Hot 100 chart. And at the age of 78 years young, Brenda Lee is the oldest person to have ever topped the Hot 100 chart by about a decade. So, um, I think that's, that's awesome. you know, little cartoon party horn is warranted for there for Brenda Lee. She's put out a music video 
uh, on this. Like, I mean, there was never a music video for the song, and she just put one out to kind of celebrate the rapid ascent. But if you want to know how this happens, like how how a 1958 song uh, could possibly hit uh, the Billboard chart, a, a song that I, I assume goes to what the Eisenhower administration yeah. uh, goes to the top of the chart. It's TikTok. Of course, that should have been my guess. TikTok, TikTok has has changed the game, right? It has. It is. I mean, certainly, rocking around the Christmas tree is not the only time we have seen a deep, deep catalog song find its way back to the top of the charts uh, thanks to TikTok rediscovering it, right? Uh, this happened with Fleetwood Mac and Dreams, uh, Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes. We've seen this happen over and over again. The Gen Zers rediscover, oh, running up that hill, going to number one yeah. on the charts, Kate Bush. And this is happening all the more with Christmas songs. If you go to the Hot 100 chart right now, in fact, I don't know if Lauren can pull this up, it is littered with old Christmas songs because they're all getting rediscovered by, on TikTok and finding their way onto the charts. And here's what's interesting to me about TikTok driving this Hot 100 chart. TikTok streams are not even part of the calculation of a song making it to the Billboard Hot 100. It is radio play, it is sales, and it is streams on platforms like Spotify and YouTube. So TikTok is so powerful as a medium for songs driving up the charts that people are rediscovering these songs on TikTok and then voluntarily streaming the crap out of them on Spotify and Apple Music, so much so that they're being driven all the way up to the top of the charts past Morgan Wallen and Morgan Allen and past uh, whatever that Mistress for Christmas song is you were telling me about. It is a powerful force in music. Dude, that's kind of... I mean, that's insane to me. Oh, Okay, here we go. I see the graphic. So Lauren, yeah, Lauren pulled up the Hot 100 chart. There you go. Jeez. Number one is Brenda Lee, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. You got All I Want for Christmas is You, Mariah Carey, number two. Jingle Bell Rock, Bobby Helms at number four. Dude. Uh, Last Christmas Wham? by Wham, number five. Oh, everybody loves Last Christmas. Holly Jolly Christmas, Burl Ives into the top ten. What effing year is this? Dude. Dude. Um, and then you got Andy Snooze. Williams, the... <laughs> The uh the you know the Gen Zers they love them some Andy Williams at number ten. What it's the, the most crap. wonderful time of the year. Tate McRae, the the Tate McRae, like one of the biggest pop artists right now, can't even get into the top one hundred. Can't even get into the top ten. She's at number eleven because all of these dinosaur artists that your great grandparents love have invaded the top ten thanks to Christmas and TikTok. I love this. Dude, you know what I think is hilarious about this? Nothing screams the music industry has a problem like just looking at the album art as we scroll through because it's like old, old, bikini, old, bikini, bikini, old, 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 bikini. Like apparently there we operate on an axis of just it's it's binary code at this point. I don't understand. See, look, look right there. Old, old, bikini. Like Doja Cat, then Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Then come on, this is this is ridiculous. I'm with you on this. Like, I didn't even think of it this way. Like, this, the industry's in trouble, man. Dude, the industry's having problems. Look at this. I mean, just yeah, you're right. It's like, it's it's uh, you either night you either need to be like you know scantily clad or Burl Ives, yeah, to it, enter the Hot 100 literally. in 2023. There were two bikinis like quasi adjacent to Perry Cuomo. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Like anyway, I digress. Brenda this Lee just... doesn't need a bikini to top no. the charts. Yeah, and who who doesn't need that? The number one. So hmm. that's right. Hang hang it mean, up for the goat. I love it. And she didn't even like you know because like she had to make it a fair fight. You put Brenda Lee in a bikini, she's it's never over. letting go of number one. It's over. so like she had to at least like make it a fair fight for her. So good good for you, Brenda Lee, and congratulations to her. I mean, what a what a cool thing. To you know, and she's still around to enjoy it, which is fantastic. I think she's kind of doing a yeah. victory tour right now. She's going to be on a bunch of like television shows performing the song. That's awesome to me. I see, and that's like all kidding aside. That makes me happy, and I'm yeah. glad that like TikTok. I think this is one of the times where you, we can talk about TikTok being used for good instead of evil. Like one I love, I think people rediscovering old music and enjoying it is a is a wonderful thing, and you know, and every every year, like. Right, I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite guilty pleasure, not even guilty pleasure, I just like them, Buck Cherry. Are you familiar with the band Buck Cherry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've done some 
stupid things in their career, like great dumb rock songs. They have two Christmas songs. Do you know why they have two Christmas songs? So they hope someday some it will hit, it'll get picked up on some Christmas playlist, and these guys can make some money from it. I guarantee you it's not because of their love of the holiday. Um, <laughs> and I, the fact that that could actually happen to an artist is really cool, and I, good on all the people who are having success from it. Far be it for me to crap on it. I love this. Well, lest TikTok get a big head, because you're certainly uh, glazing them right now. You're you're trying to shower them with praise. Oh, look, they're, you're bringing uh, the artists of yester, yesteryear back. Good for you, TikTok. I got a little bit of a beef with TikTok that oh, I'd like to talk me, about. What's that? Don't ruin this for me. I no, was sorry. I got and, it, and it's being... I was going to be the positive one for once. Now, and to be fair, it's not me ruining TikTok, all right? It is... Uh, Safe to say, like, one of the most beloved people in our world right now, Hank Green. Who doesn't love Hank Green? Uh, just a just a completely wholesome, wonderful human being who is currently in the midst of kicking cancer's ass right now. So, happy for Hank Green there. Uh, Hank Green recently posted on X a layout of how much he's currently his videos currently make on short-form video platforms like TikTok. And... Uh, to call the numbers depressing would require a gift for understatement. Um, and it kind of points out the disparity that we see in terms of short-form video artists being able to make a real living on this platform. And the the cutting to the chase on this is if you think Spotify underpays their artists, which we only talk about every week on this show, TikTok's got underpaying artists down to a science. They make... Uh, they make uh, Spotify look like a damn charity oh, <laughs> compared to compared to what TikTok is doing. So Hank Green posted, you know, how many views his 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 short form videos are getting on platforms like TikTok and YouTube Shorts, and um, basically what's happening is in each of those platforms, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, he's his videos have been streamed about forty million times, which is makes perfect sense for Hank Green. He makes amazing videos. Yeah. I love him. Everybody loves him. Anybody who's got a problem with Hank Green, you got a problem with me because he's wonderful. Um, for his 40 million, so looking at just TikTok, so his 40 million views on TikTok, he has received from TikTok in revenue $4,000. Now, let's do a little bit of division here. So in the world of podcasting, right, because I want to put this through a podcaster's lens, the way that we calculate revenue for podcasters is we use a metric called RPM, which stands for revenue per mill. And despite the word mill, like, and we think million, what mill actually means is a thousand, because I think it's probably Latin or something. So it's revenue per thousand listeners, thousand viewers, thousand people consuming your content, right? And in the world of podcasting, the going rate for having a podcaster read an ad on their show for you is about $20 per thousand people, 20,000 per mil. So uh, if you have a, if a podcaster has a thousand people listening to their show, the advertiser will pay that podcaster about $20 for that audience. If we so contrast that with what TikTok and YouTube shorts are currently paying Hank Green for his videos. 40 million viewers divided by 4,000 is about 10 cents per thousand views. So a 200x difference between what podcasters usually make for their audience and what Hank Green and other TikTokers are making for their audience. Dude, that's okay. Well, that is um, depressing. Thanks for killing my, my buzz. <laughs> I well, mean, I, I saw you were getting a little excited and like, you know, kind of loving TikTok a little bit. And look, I love TikTok too, but uh, I, I wanted to kind of get us all back to earth. <laughs> well, okay. Can I devil's advocate it? Advocate oh yeah. And there, and there are plenty devil's of devil's advocate arguments, by the way, but bring it. But like, is TikTok, was TikTok ever supposed to be a way that, were they, was the ever the idea that TikTok was going to pay you? I always have viewed it, and don't, I mean, this is just my argument. Let's just say I've always viewed it as just a competitor to Facebook. It's just a competitor to InstaFace or Snapchat or Snap, whatever. Snapchat, that's the one. God, I'm old and tired. Man. Um, <laughs> like, what is what is it about TikTok that people feel like they deserve to be paid? Well, this actually gets brings us back to a conversation we were having a couple weeks ago with Taylor Lorenz and how we were talking about 
how what has made all of these platforms, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, what made all of these platforms multi-billion dollar companies, you know, what turned them into like fun little novelties to, oh my God, there's a bunch of people on this platform and now it's worth billions, was never the technology. In fact, in a lot of cases, the technology was kind of buggy. It was the creators. Every single one of these platforms became multi-billion dollar platforms when the creators migrated to those platforms and started creating on them. TikTok is a multi-billion dollar company because people like Hank Green are there. Hank Green and all of the other people on TikTok are the reason why that company is valuable. And if you just generally believe in the idea that people should be fairly compensated for their work, Hank Green is worth a lot more than $4,000 to TikTok, right? But it is a perfectly reasonable argument. It seems to be the argument that TikTok is making when they pay Hank Green $4,000, which is like, look, our platform is not a platform where creators are supposed to make a great deal of money. It's about promoting your brand and driving those fans to another place where they can, where you can make a lot of money off them. But we're, you know, we're about paying you in exposure. But and if, and if that's the argument you want to take, that's fine. But like if, if Hank Green had 40 million people watching him on broadcast television, oh my God. he would be, <laughs> you know, he'd be the highest paid person in television. So like at, at, at one point we just have to say, hey, an eyeball is an eyeball. And why if that eyeball is watching you on broadcast television, you're worth millions of dollars. But if that eyeball is watching you on TikTok, you're only worth $4,000. I, I can't understand that. And there are some other differences as well, right? Like in, in terms of like using podcasting to TikTok is not apples to apples because podcasters are reading your ad for 30 seconds and as opposed to just like, you know, you know, a, a targeted ad in your that they're reading versus just you appearing on TikTok. So there are some differences, but whether those differences are a 200 X difference I'm not so sure about that. Well, I'll tell you the difference that jumps out to me immediately is that TikTok, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, I'm not an avid TikToker, but there is there are ads on TikTok, aren't there? Oh yeah, no, they're and, they're they're they are they have gotten into full yeah. monetizing mode. Like every fourth video you watch on TikTok at this point is an ad and like at least one out of and and of the remaining videos, at least one of them is going to be some kind of sponsored link to something in the TikTok shop. They are fully monetizing now. Yeah. And why are people, and this gets to your point, right? Why are people watching? Because they want to see the creators, right? And so I guess to me, the analogy is closer to if I want to put my ad on a television show, I pick the popular television show. Therefore, that television show has value because I want my ads there. And so TikTok has value, be, value because people want their ads there. And it's because they're creators, which is basically just a restatement of, of your point. I think the, um, the numbers are just. I mean, it's just so it's the type of thing that I, I feel like most companies just wouldn't want in the public eye because this looks so bad. Um, but then, of course, Spotify seems to be fine with it, too. So like, you can't tell me that with a in good conscience that Hank Green and 40 million eyeballs is worth four thousand dollars. Like if I were a university, I would have to pay Hank Green more than four thousand dollars to come to my university and talk to a hundred of my students. Yeah. Like he's not doing that for less than $4,000. And yet TikTok can uh, thinks that it's just fine to pay Hank green $4,000 for 40 million people watching well, his videos. But Ryan, you made the key mistake. You started it off with the, the phrase in good conscience. And well, I don't think go. conscience is really coming into this. Here's a, here's another way to look at it. Bringing it back to our friends, with, uh, with Spotify, right? As we said before, like we often, dump on Spotify on the show about how low they pay artists, right? That is a, a common lament on this show. But as I said before, compared to what TikTok pays, Spotify is a damn charity. Spotify pays its artists. If we want to use that revenue per mill, revenue per thousand, if you get your music streamed on Spotify a thousand times, Spotify will pay you $4, as opposed to 10 cents. So Spotify is paying its artists 40 times more than what TikTok is paying Hank Green for the same audience. Like, if Spotify is kicking your butt on artist payouts, you're looking bad. You never want to be in that position where the bar is Spotify. Where the bar is Spotify. 
<laughs> um, oh my god! And like, yeah, absolutely bogger. Okay, we uh, with before we go to break, Taylor okay? Swift, dog, Taylor Swift. No, no. Okay, I'll, I'll get you on the Taylor Swift. All right, I promise. After the break, I'm gonna blow your mind with some Taylor Swift stuff. Okay, so this is this is what we call in the radio business a tease. Uh, Got to get people to to hang on through the break. But before we go to break, you have assured me, Zach Sloan, oh, that God. you want to single handedly bring back. The AI Overlord Tip of the Week on this show. Before the show started, I told you we not we're not really doing AI Overlord Tip of the Week anymore. Oh, that I've bit's noticed. kind of run its course, and you're telling me you want to bring it back, and you actually have a Chat GPT AI Overlord Tip of the Week for us this week. Do I have this right? Oh, you're darn tooting. All right. Okay, before we do that, I do have a commenter who wrote who wrote in Spotify screws over the artist. <laughs> TikTok accidentally pays their artists. I love that. Okay. Good. All good, right, Zach, good the host. floor is yours. The floor is yours and Chad GPTs. Go ahead and give us the tip of the week. Hey everybody, how are we doing out there? You're here on 1043, the villain. Where your favorite superhero villain answers your stupid, ridiculous questions. I can't wait to see which peon wrote me in today. Today we got a we got a question from who? What? Who's that? Yeah, yeah, Robin. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. Uh, just from the groovy guru. Wait, no, that's me. Don't stop it. Just listen. Here's the letter, dear groovy guru. That's me. I am just a humble, independent musician. Or at least, I was until the other day. Picture this. I accidentally played my guitar backward during a live stream, and now I'm forever branded the reverse rock star. It's embarrassing to say the least. I need your guidance to reclaim my musical dignity. Any specific tips on how to turn this ship around? Sincerely, Lost in the Beats. <laughs> yeah! The woeful tale of the reverse rock star, huh? Yeah, that's, that's, that's reached the lair of the groovy guru. How utterly pathetic. You seek redemption for your musical blunder, and you'll find none here. However, I shall begrudgingly provide you with these painfully specific directives. First, don a ridiculous redemption robe. Adorn yourself in a garish redemption robe to distract from your guitar antics. Make it garish enough, and perhaps your audience will forget they witnessed your musical misfortune. Or not. Incompetent instru instrumentalist companion. Seek out a companion who's even less musically talented than you are. Their attitude will make your reverse rock star episode seem more like a masterpiece in comparison. <laughs> Bask in the glory of relative mediocrity. Pathetic performance elimination. Identify specific weaknesses in your pitiful musical arsenal. Is it a lack of skill, an absence of charisma, or the riz? Or an other utter death of originality? I added that myself. You're welcome. We all know there's no way ChatGPT knows what riz is. Devote yourself to eliminating these deficiencies with the desperation of a drowning artist. Remember, lost in the beats, you may never truly escape the label of reverse rock star. But perhaps with these pitiful strategy, you can salvage what's left of your dignity. Disdainfully, <laughs> the Groovy Guru. There's a lot we can do with the Groovy Guru. I like this character. Out of curiosity, Zach Sloan, what did you feed to chat GPT? What prompt did you give it that gave us whatever that was? I wanted uh, a I wanted Frasier combined with a superhero villain, but more of a jerk to respond to on air questions <laughs> um, for a classic rock radio station. And that's what we got. I mean, yeah, we can't argue with that. <laughs> I had to tone it down a little bit for the show. It got, it got, I will say, um, it didn't get offensive, but it, it, it got a little not helpful. Like, if you actually listen to that and go through it, there's some actual useful tips there. Maybe not the relative mediocrity <laughs> one. I think that one's just funny. But, like, the identifying your weaknesses and work on those and find a style. And also, I think the over overarching thing of, like, mistakes are going to happen and you just sort of got to figure out how to get past them. And oftentimes that's identifying what went wrong and how to fix it. Hard to believe that podcasters like us get paid more per listener than Hank Green on TikTok. We're oh, turn! We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be joined by Timothy Patch of Daybreaker. So excited for this. Zach and I are real giddy. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business.
Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, you lovely humans. Ryan Corella here with the magnificent head of hair that is Zach Sloan, and he's got some fantastic insights too, but really, it's it's the hair. Look at it. It's dazzling. I'm mesmerized by it. How That's are you, radio. my friend? Uh, uh, so excited to have you back with us. Dude, stop it. I Listen, you're just trying to keep me from the Taylor Swift news. I know what you're doing. <laughs> Damn it. All right, fine. You're right. Here's the Taylor Swift news that I promised, and it's it's going to deliver, okay? Like, I, I'm certain of it. You will get, you will get uh, satiated by this Taylor Swift news, okay? Billboard has reported, Zach Sloan, that Taylor Swift is going to make $100 million in 2023 just from Spotify streams. Oh not counting the Eras tour, God. not even counting her publishing income, just her artist income on Spotify in 2023, she's going to make $100 million. Now, that's not the crazy part. I mean, that is crazy, but I want to give you an idea of like the scope of how crazy that is, okay? Because remember what I said before, what we just talked about, how like Spotify pays super low, not as low as TikTok, but, you know, pays super low, right? You got to get a thousand streams just to make $4, all right? So I want to give you an idea, Zach, of what making $100 million just on Spotify in a year means, okay? Let's say I was to take the entire population of the city of Miami and hired them all, every man, woman, child, baby, everyone in the city limits of Miami. I hire them all to do nothing but eight hours a day, including weekends, do nothing but stream Taylor Swift songs on Spotify nonstop without breaks. Okay? It would take my workforce of 436,000 Miamians 17 months to stream her music enough times for Taylor Swift to earn $100 million on Spotify like she did in 2023. In other words, my $436,000 Taylor Swift laborers could not generate enough income for her in 12 months than she actually made in 2023. This is, I mean, good for Taylor, but this is stupid. <laughs> oh my god like i'm just trying to quickly do the math of how many total streams that is uh Dude. that would be 27 billion streams zach slow oh my lord <laughs> oh and by the way if spotify paid taylor at the rate that tiktok pays hank green oh that was my would, next question <laughs> it would take that same group 56 years <laughs> jesus for taylor swift to earn 100 billion dollars 
chew on that while we bring out our guest this week. He's the chief operating officer and co-founder of Daybreaker, an organization that hosts events around the world that promote wellness and positive energy through substance-free dance parties. The organization is now in its 10th year and boasts over 500,000 members. Uh, Similar to the city of Miami, I might hire all of them to uh, do our Taylor Swift streaming project. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.daybreaker.com. We are happy to welcome Timothy Patch on to Break the Business. Hi, Timothy. Howdy. Nice to meet y'all. How's it going? Hey. It is going very, very well. I mean, I like your background. I like your <laughs> outfit. I feel like you you just came from a Daybreaker event. You seem very content and at peace right now. I'm frankly a little jealous. You know, it's um, the, the hours don't line up here. It's 940 in Brooklyn. Most of our events are at sunrise, believe it or not. So we got, our, for example, our 10th, 10th anniversary birthday event to the hour this Sunday morning, New York City in Manhattan, 6 a.m. doors. So it's right, a little, for late, the, little late from Daybreaker. Yeah, for the uninitiated. What does a daybreaker event look like? You already said it takes place in the morning. Like it's a dance party, but it's not like most dance parties that happen tonight. This is a first thing in the morning kind of thing. Take us there. What 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 are we expecting in one of these things? Believe it or not, uh, what this looks like is wake up at sunrise, come out to the coolest venues in your city. We take over museums, we take over city halls, we take over rooftops of of skyscrapers. We've done the top of the Freedom Tower in New York City. Um, you know, we've done the Museum of Natural History in, in New York and LA and and Pompidou and Paris, um, come out to the most iconic venues in the city at sunrise, one hour of fitness, usually yoga, one hour yoga class, usually live scored. We like to add a, a musical component and then a two hour dance party, a la the most bumping club in your city. You, you wouldn't believe it. Coffee instead of booze, people jumping arms up, house music, dance music, live performances. Looks a little bit like this. Yeah. Um, uh, producer know. Lauren put up a nice little clip there for us. <laughs> This is DC. This is New York, um, and yeah, this is we we did a tour in 2020. This big arena event is with uh, Oprah Winfrey. We did her 2020 arena tour. It took over like Barclays, um, you know, arenas all across ten cities, nine cities across the U.S. And uh, yeah, three hour experiences, and then turn on the lights, and everyone shuffles off to work. So it's a trip. Our tenth birthday is this Sunday in New York. We're doing it at an iconic space, home of Sleep No More. If you ever heard of Sleep No More. 10, oh, 15 yeah. year run immersive theater project in, in in New York. We're doing it in their ballroom, uh, home of the last scene, as kind of an ode and just yeah, just special, special sunrise ball for for our 10 year birthday here. I got a couple observations about this. <laughs> and producer Lauren, could you put that clip back up again? Because I, I want people to just appreciate, I mean, just how awake everybody looks at seven <laughs> in the morning. Jesus. Um, also, I, I gotta say, all right, for an event that I believe from what I'm seeing in all your materials promotes inclusiveness, right? Like you, you want people to feel like they're allowed to be here and, and, and have a space here. Um, I feel like I would not be included in this only because I'm looking at these videos. Every single person in these videos looks like the coolest person I've ever seen. Just <laughs> any of these people, if any of these people were in my circle of friends, they'd be the coolest friend I have. So I feel like if I were to walk into one of your daybreaker parties with my cardigan sweater and my sensible shoes, <laughs> like it would just be like the scene in like every eighties movie where like the principal shows up to break up the party and you just hear the record scratch. And then I'd have to like just slowly walk out and then everybody would go back to partying again. You know, come, come through and I'll convince you otherwise not to throw any shade at my mom, but my mom goes out to these events and she's a blast. And it's like, it's intergenerational. We have, yeah, we'll have, we'll have, we'll have families come out with kids parents and their and their parents come out to these events um it's really every walk of life it's mostly women the audience our our community is 70 percent women it's a place where people can just kind of let their free flags fly and, and feel totally safe and welcome um which is a breath of fresh air from like nightlife in our cities for example so it does attract a lot more women than you'd see on your average dance floor um but give the cardigan a, give the cardigan a shot come out what city <laughs> which where are you where are you um where are you right now right miami florida Okay, we got it. We got it. Next event coming up, Miami, Florida, is going to be February tenth at um, Fina Forum on the beach, Fina Hotels Beach. Um, it's a scene. We'd love to have you there. And you would, I swear, I swear, you would not. No one would blink an eye. That's the beauty of it. It's like I'm just. You know, listen, if you're if, if you're going to come out to a sober dance party, you're not judging anybody. I'm just you're not wondering. Judging I, I just I'm just imagining that same video clip that producer Lord put up, and then you just have me in there. <laughs> Like in this same sweater, I feel like, you know, 
you know, um, Timothy said something that I think actually makes a lot of sense that just clicked for me. When you're at a sober event, it, people are generally really, really cool. So that actually makes sense. I think, Ryan, I think you need to go to the one in Miami and send us some footage of you dancing, man. <laughs> Presenting you an invite. February 10th. I'll be there. I'm there. I'm, I mean... Yeah. Keep it by God. Seven a.m. Getting out to the beach. That's going to take me like three hours from Dude, I, like Miami, my Miami, my yeah, suburb. Yeah, but... Honestly, honestly, we do events in thirty cities around the world. Miami, we make an exception for y'all. Um, it's a little bit of a late city, and not to not to generalize here, but we actually do a lot of like late morning or even afternoon events in Miami. Only Miami now, of all the thirty cities for you. Now that's that's a company you know, that know knows their audience. Know your audience. <laughs> Like, no, you're no, you're target on. We try to have a party at 7 a.m. in Miami. It's gonna be empty. Yeah, like yeah. people are still getting in from the night before by 7 a.m. We, the, you gotta give us like 9, 30, 10 yeah. o'clock at least. So we do. We, we yeah, we learned our lesson, in Miami. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a scene. It's beautiful. We, we'll have a thousand people out on the beach. Um, come through. Now. Today, Daybreakers got hundreds of thousands of members, but it didn't start out that way. It started out very humble beginnings, one little event. And so to me, that's a great story of entrepreneurship that can be very inspiring for our viewers and listeners. Tell us what those early days were like. You know, it really started as a social experiment. And um, my partner co-founder had the, had the idea, Rada Agrol had the, had the idea, um, founded, you know, kind of brought out of Burning Man, where sunrise dance parties are a, a little bit of a phenomenon, and um, came back to New York City. She was an investor and, and owner in a nightclub in Brooklyn, verboten, um, kind of infamous house DJ scene in, in Brooklyn, alongside Output. And it's just what, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uniquely the worst user experience you can find in hospitality, where it's like, you go to the door, the bouncer's rude. You go to the bar, the bartender's rude. You get drinks spilled on you. Try and go dancing. No one's dancing. You're getting like, you know, you're getting shoved and pushed around. You, you walk out with beer on your shirt and, and a bunch of wallflowers. And it's kind of the only use case that I can think of where you can actually have terrible service, terrible user experience at every step of the process. And so that's like, that's the only way that people socialize and gather and go out. So the concept was really how do we take everything that we love about this experience, which is the, the music, the connection, the dance floor, the energy, that feeling of, of collective movement in a club, flip it, you get a hug at the door, you're not hung over the next day, you get coffee instead of, you know, uh, overpriced poison toxins, you know, overpriced poison at the bar. And people come out to dance, truly. It's like, instead of, instead of walking into a room of kind of drunk wallflowers, it's like bumping, happy, smiling, full dance floor of people who chose to be there. No one got dragged in by their friends. The best performers we bring out across every city will have a horn section, aerialists, fire spinners, things that you just, you don't, you, you know, you don't see anywhere else in your city. And the first event, you know, started as a social experiment. What if, what if, what if we could take everything that we love, flip it on its head and had 200 friends come out here in Manhattan 10 years ago to, to this weekend day, first snowfall, December 10th, 2013. And it was a hit. And this is like, you know, it's like it's like you wake up early in the morning, you go for a run, you make it to your you make it to your workout class, whatever you have that there's like an extra kick of you get higher in life when you do something energetic and uplifting and positive in the morning. You know, it's like the feeling of making it on that morning run versus sleeping through it. And it was that times 10 to have this experience with 200 friends, amazing music, amazing, you know, connecting uh, experience. And from there, it just kind of caught on like wildfire. We never spent a dollar on marketing. We ran the first events in the black and just invested the money into the next events and um, built a scene. It was a password protected website for a couple of years in New York and slowly started getting phone calls from friends, reaching out to launch, launch new markets and, and bring this to new cities, um, San Francisco, LA, London, Paris, DC, Chicago, over the first couple of years. We had a New York Times article in, I think the New York, first New York Times article was 2014. And, you know, next thing you know, it was just like we we're selling out events for months. And 10 years later, one pandemic down, you know, we've had we've had events in 33 cities around the world, all seven continents. We did. We took a group to Antarctica last year um, and 
it's been it's really become a phenomenon. You know, it's like we've had we've had copycats all across the world. We we went on tour with Oprah, as I mentioned, this, which was really just like a humbling, you know, beautiful career highlight for us to, to be able to be alongside her on our 2020 tour and um, to you know go to the stadiums of all of our home cities. And yeah, we're bootstrapped, never raised a dollar, independent, uh, three partners, and uh, it's been it's been really like a story of just community, a community built business and, and hustle and passion and, and a beautiful arts project that's taken us on the ride of our lives. Since you mentioned in your response there, what did the pandemic look like for an organization like yours? How did you, po- how can, how to, how can a business model like that possibly pivot through a pandemic? Oh, it was, I mean, you know, it, it, for anyone alive events was just gnarly. And we had this wild experience of wrapping the Oprah tour, uh, March, eighth in Denver is the last dating event, career highlight, you know, sold out 20,000 person shows. And then a week later, shutting down, you know, Cuomo shuts down New York City, we're all trapped in our homes in Brooklyn. It's like New York is the epicenter. It's apocalyptic. And those first days, we got into my partner's car and drove around to film studios, fire sales, they're just like, we're going out of business. This is it closing shop 20, you know, 10 years, 20 years. We're not going to ride this thing out. Bought camera gear, lighting gear, audio gear, everything. You know, we run a lean team, but we, we, we built a home studio and, um, overnight and the first March 21st, we take credit for this. We had the first zoom dance party and it was, you know, it's, it's hilarious in hindsight, but it, we had, we had 3000, 4,000 people come out um on march 21st built a studio in new york city everyone paid 20 bucks and we were like home in our living rooms we're like wow we just took in sixty thousand dollars doing this you know doing this on on you know equipment we bought yesterday yesterday in our in our home office let's do this all let's do this all year and so we did we hosted uh zoom events we booked like the biggest everyone no one was working obviously we booked the village people Gloria gainer Gloria estefan um, you know, voice to men, we had 40,000 people come out on zoom with, for voice to men event and just had this wild experience of like throwing 10, 20, 30,000 person zoom events, hacked zoom to get 30,000 people online and had, had a daybreaker live dance party performance every Saturday. And it kept us sane, you know, it kept our community sane. It was like, I truly don't know what else we would have done, but, um, needless to say it was a trip and. <laughs> and uh, a, a great learning experience. Wait, that's incredible. I mean, can you take us to the conversation that you were having with your co-founders in 2020, where you were making the decision of either shutting down and riding this out until the pandemic, or at least lockdown was over, so that you could then, you know, restart your events that you're used to doing again, or making this pivot during the pandemic to you know, renting a bunch of camera equipment, essentially becoming a TV production company and doing these Zoom dance parties. Like, how did that discussion go down? And what brought you to the decision of, okay, we're going to completely pivot our strategy rather than just lay low until the lockdown's over? Ah, man, we are just, we're crazy. And we cannot, we can't stop. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, okay, I, that's what we need. I think like, that's a good enough like, answer. We're going on vacation. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're closing this door for three months, six months. I don't know. Club is closed. And everyone else, everyone else I know in the industry was like, man, what a restful, you know, challenging, but restful and healing experience. And to finally take a vacation. And we just worked our asses off. You know, we, we didn't take a day off. It was chaos and we loved it. And it was kind of like, you know, we, it was, we kind of became like a PBS, you know, we were doing like, we just like learned all the tricks of like, of like, you know, television production from our homes and like, you know, like kind of cheesy camera, camera, swat, you know, fades and like puppet tricks and got a green screen and like did the whole thing and had so much fun with those hilarious. It was just the three of us like locked up in a house together for six months. And, you know, New York was heavy. Miami, Miami, you guys were hanging out at the beach, going to live. Life goes on. New York, it was locked down. Yeah, we Florida, Florida doesn't nothing. really do lockdown. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, we all we all just said, and that's the beauty of, of us being, you know, never taking on a dollar. It's like we get to, we roll the dice however we want. And it was a, it was a fun experiment. It was one that panned out for us. That's so wild. And 
so I, I think, you know, I, I sort of like divide your company up into eras where you had like these early days of doing your thing in Brooklyn and then you scaled, 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 and you made it through the pandemic. And now here in 2023 going into, you know, I think you're hitting another pivot point because I, I know you guys are on the precipice of a lot of big initiatives that you have coming up to kind of really take what you want to do to the next level. Can you tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about what what's next for Daybreaker? You know, we are, this is our 10 year birthday to the week, which is just unbelievable for us. And we're about to launch our next tour for um, announcing in January. So we'll have two tours next year title and all to come but we're taking over some of the most iconic venues across the world we're relaunching a lot of our european markets we've kind of been on a slow build, a slow slow build rebuild since covid um, so we're coming back to a lot of a lot of cities we haven't seen in a couple of years and yeah we have i mean we got so many surprises up our sleeve we had our first ever social club in new york this summer we rented out a, a um, three-story four-story uh, building in Soho, just like prime location in the heart of the city, hosted events six nights a week. We're planning for a second iteration in Brooklyn um, for fall of next year. We just launched our nonprofit called the Belong Center, many years in the works, first first uh, year of fundraising to support the cause. We're looking for a flagship space to launch next year, but we have our first events rolling out on a calendar right now. And uh, the mission is to combat loneliness the way that the way that the great nonprofits of of our time have combat you know homelessness and hunger we want to address the greatest epidemic of our time which is loneliness and it's more harmful than smoking than obesity than so many health issues in our country uh the feeling of social isolation so that's our next big 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 project and a lot more coming on that soon but yeah, we, we have a lot of surprises up our sleeves and uh, starting with a tour that we're going to announce in the next month after this 10 year birthday. I I love that. And I, I love that you guys are bringing in the nonprofit approach and you know just taking what you guys do best and finding different lanes to expand upon it uh, is really inspiring. I would imagine, Timothy, that in the course of being in this business where you are trying to create events that you know promote wellness promote positive energy that you've probably learned a thing or two about how to promote those things in your own life and in the lives of others and so i'd love for you to talk to our viewers and listeners who are primarily creative professionals in the entertainment industry which happens to be a profession that has higher than average rates of mental health issues and lack of self-care and things like that and so do you have any lessons or any advice for those people on how they can just you know improve their own happiness and well-being in their own day-to-day -day lives? What's worked for you? You know, it's like um, sometimes I, I don't want to look. Sometimes I don't want to show people behind the curtain because yeah, we're we're a wellness company and we just work our asses off to be honest. And the beauty, I, I would say, that what's gotten us through has been working with people that we love. You know, and and. Um, we really take the perspective that if we're going to do work, it should be about the relationships. And we only work with people that we love. We only work with brands that we love. We only work with, you know, whether whether it's a venue in New York City or it's a, you know, Fortune 100 brand looking to sponsor a tour or it's a, or it's a new hire. It's got to be someone that we will love to spend time with. And the team right now, the, found, the founders, the partners are myself and my best friend from college and his wife, Rod Agarwal, who brought us both on the team um, for her, her initial idea. They have a child together and the godfather to their daughter. And we get through just like getting to getting to be a family, you know, and, and prioritizing our relationships. And and as long as as long as that's our North Star, you know, each other's each other's the health of our relationships, each other's happiness and, you know, having a team where we get to care for each other you know, to that degree. That's what keeps us sane, for, you know, because we're it's it's just like live events, <clears throat> this world, this industry, it's, it's nonstop. The deadlines are, you know, like none other, there's no product delay on, 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 a, on event doors. You know, it's like, it's truly this, the stakes are high. The deadlines are the harshest and it's stressful work to throw events. Right. Um, but we prioritize our relationships, you know, and listen, we, um, we, we have the blessing of like, throwing club-like events without ever without ever waking up with a hangover we we have we have some stable <laughs> habits you know 
we do a lot of yoga. We're going to stay healthy and fit. And um, we get to keep sane working hours for the most part. But yeah, you yeah. all might be the only folks in the live event business who have healthy livers, which is <laughs> you know quite an achievement. But it sounds like you wouldn't be an adherent to the old adage of never go into business with your friends. It sounds like you're saying like definitely go that. into business with your friends. I, don't buy, I mean, yeah, I don't. I've not, I never bought that. I never bought that. And I honestly don't know. You know, we live in a we we live in a community of uh, entrepreneurs here. Um, you know, small, medium, and all sizes. Everyone I know wants to work with their friends, you know, and wants to hire their friends and ask their friends for referrals and recommendations. And I just think that's so old school. That's so 1950s. You know, it's uh, we, we live and die by the recommendations of our friends. And, and if you have those that you trust enough to really be in bed with and, and you know, to build something and create something with, I think of anything that you start as being a 10-year project, you know, it's like, I don't want to do anything that I don't want to do for 10 years. It's a lot of trust, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're not friends yet, you will be, you, you will be by year one, right. By year two. So I don't think that holds water. Now you mentioned the 1950s. And so, <laughs> um, what if I were to come to a daybreaker event and I were to bust out the Charleston Would would that, how would that go? You would have a very enthusiastic dance circle around you and i told you ryan <laughs> whoever you pointed to would would jump in and try and mimic you next slamming i i do i love this place this you got the moves, listening you got the moves yeah, he will come in doing you? the charleston listening to the current billboard hot 100 number one right now rocking around the christmas tree by brendan this <laughs> oh my gosh uh, you can find out more about our guest work by visiting www.daybreaker.com we are happy to be interviewing timothy patch co-founder of the event organization Daybreaker that hosts early morning events, dance party events all over the world except for Miami because you can't do that in Miami. So they, you know, <laughs> host it around 10 o'clock when people are actually awake. Love what you're doing here. Again, you, folks, check them out, daybreaker.com. Timothy, before we let you go, my friend, we got one last question for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? One thing that I love and that somehow has worked for us against everyone else's advice, we never spent a dollar on marketing and we never spent it. You know, we built an email list. We built a lot of goodwill. We never spent a dollar on Facebook, never gave a dollar to Zuckerberg. And someone once made the analogy to me that it's like, it's like the best restaurants. You know, it's like, they don't need to put up ads on Instagram. It's, about the experience. You put that time and money and energy into the experience of what you're offering. And the impact of that on word of mouth sharing is more valuable than a CPC on Facebook, on Instagram, on, on Twitter, on whatever, you know? So we really, we've, we've lived by that. I've never had a marketing hire in 10 years. And uh, I've had a lot of people put all their time and energy into production and experience design and talent booking and the creative and it's paid off for us. So I, um, I would love to see a world that where we're creatives can live like that. And we're not, we're not putting our hard earned dollars back into the machine in that way. So that's my number one. So even in 2023, in this era of social media and, you know, ads, 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 and you gotta buy, you know, you gotta buy pay for promotion on Facebook and on X and all these different platforms. Your feeling is, and it sounds like it was Daybreaker's lived experience, you can still succeed in 2023 just by building a better mousetrap, just by investing in your product, uh, investing in your customer base and in your people. And the people that you're looking for will find you and you don't have to buy ads to make that happen. Hundred percent, and uh, you know it's a blessing of of us also not having no one's breathing down our necks, right? Like we, we run, we run a we run an event, we run a season, we run a year in the black. We're happy. Um, yeah, it's like the you my you know your favorite restaurants in Miami, your favorite restaurants in New York. They're not buying ads on Instagram, and they're selling. They're they sold out every weekend night, right? Forever, and it's about the experience. And I think that as artists creatives you know if you can if you can live and operate by that it's a blessing and i know it's tough it's a little, you know a little idealistic and i know that a lot of people have to pay to play but um 
that has worked for us and i'm and i and i think it's paid us dividends uh beyond what you know 10 years of a marketing manager's burning money on the screen would i love that and i think uh, a lot of the indie creators out there can learn from that perspective timothy thank you all so much for joining us uh producer lauren can i bring you in here for a second thank you both thank you so much you can hi timothy uh, (laughs) am i correct in that it appears we've been raided we Uh, have and we're all saying hi to mary amber and pat cat amber and all of their fans that just joined us what's up mary amber so here's the thing um just so just so the the readers understand we are we're at the end of our radio program because we got to get it in under 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 an hour but um i think what we can do what do you think of this lauren uh is we can play the outro music and then we'll have what we need for radio and then just keep the stream going and we'll just stick around and if uh you know chat for a bit and if uh you know until the raiders get bored and they leave us can can we send Mary Amber a link and have her join us? <gasps> oh, I mean, snap. I'd be. I mean, like, I don't want to. Okay. I, I don't want to like voice that upon her. So but if she wants to join, on. Mary Amber has a standing invitation right here. So anyway, our thanks okay. to uh, our guest this week. Um, <clears throat> uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm overwhelmed by the Timothy it. Patch from Daybreaker. Thanks to Zach Sloan, producer Lauren. Uh, and the people who have completely inundated our stream. Thank you all for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week.